So hello and welcome to episode 9 of the Saladcast for this season. Myself, Glenn Price, and I'm joined by Ollie Warner after, yeah, quite a different game from what we predicted last week, Ollie, where we both went for us to get hammered. Uh, we are here to discuss uh, a decent result of Sheffield Wednesday, aren't we? So feeling a bit more chipper than the last few weeks? Yeah, it was a, it was a good day out. It was all those things that I've missed about away days. You know, even just sometimes you obviously go to a lot of games driving on my own from Stourbridge, listening to mm-hmm. fighting talk and then getting to a ground and meeting a few familiar faces for a pint. Coming out of the ground, I saw I met loads of people. Um, I saw Pooley, I saw Aid Plimmer, I saw loads. Of, we even saw um, um, that centre back Coughlin um, was me and, eight, me and me and Pooley were walking out. So yeah, I saw a load of familiar faces. Right. Um, so yeah, it was good and yeah, and really really enjoyable um, day out. Um, yeah, I think I left home about ten a.m. and I got home at ten p.m. Um, so yeah, a good day Jeez. out. Yeah, we'll have a chat about the, the theirs and backs because everyone has a bit of a different story on uh, on Saturday. But yeah, you talk about meeting people at the football and uh, and, and and it being a proper away day, which we'll obviously get to. But yeah, we, we obviously have got a one game with this week, so we wanted a guest and someone I bumped into on Saturday who I bump into at most away games, um, Lauren Edwards. So uh, Lauren, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you very much. Good stuff. And we're glad to have you back on. You normally, uh, we were just having a chat before we recorded, you're normally always there with your dad every week. I see, see you with your dad. But um, yeah, we were just talking and, and it's probably best we uh, pass on our best to him because I hear he's uh, he's had a bit of an incident. He's missing Shrewsbury Town games. Quite upset about the whole thing, isn't he? Yeah, he's um, missing them for the time being, but he's on the mend and hopefully he'll be back down the meadow soon and uh, away games as well because it's been a very strange start to the season not having him there and uh, sharing the experience with uh, different people I've brought a couple of friends along and also brought my mum on Saturday but Mm. looking forward to getting my dad back down there because it's not quite the same without him (laughs) (laughs) I know yeah I know your dad pretty well so yeah all the best to him on on behalf of the podcast as well and I suppose we'll start off really before we dip into Sheffield Wednesday Um, we're kind of asking all the guests now because I suppose we're what Ollie getting towards the 10 game period but I don't know where where are you at this season so far, Lauren. Obviously, you've got the highs of yesterday, um, but everything else before. What what are your current thoughts about where Shrewsbury Town are at the moment? Uh, a little bit disappointed, to be honest. Um, I think the lack of players that we've signed has cost us quite dearly, really, and it not been quite the start that we'd all hoped for. Um, it's not been the set, well. It's not just been disappointing compared to what I expected. I thought Steve Cottrell build a really, really good team. The signings that he's made have been impressive, but I just don't think we've got enough, um, which is a bit concerning. However, yesterday, I thought we showed the fight, the passion and the commitment that we've been missing from the previous games, really. So it, it's in steady improvement, but still a disappointing start. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair, isn't it? A fair reflection of where we've been the last few weeks, although it's taken yesterday, really, Ollie, hasn't it, to kind of cheer us up a little bit because of uh, of that start so far. But yeah, we're, you know, not far off what Lauren thinks there, I suppose, are you, mate? No, um, I thought so. that's a very, um, let's just say, a um, polite um, summary of where we are at the moment. <laughs> I think that's fair <laughs> to say. Um, so yeah, interesting um, day out. Um, I, th- I did like uh, a tweet um, from Peter Kindness where he said, just back from Sheffield Wednesday, parking was a nightmare, traffic was horrendous, the M1 was closed, but all worth all worth it for a goal celebration in the way end. Decent um, performance all over the pitch. Oh, and an outstanding performance from one of the linesmen as well with a crying <laughs> laughing emoji. So yeah, it was definitely one of those days. And as you said, um, Glyn, it is, as you are saying, just before we're getting ready to start, it is fun as well when you walk out of the ground um, talking quite loudly about how poor Sheffield Wednesday were. That was quite fun. Um, and yeah, just yeah. talking of Sheffield Wednesday. Um, so do you guys know why Sheffield Wednesday is called Sheffield Wednesday? I don't. I saw you asking, Ollie. Um, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't think Lauren does either. We were just talking pre-match, pre-recording, weren't we? Yeah, but you don't, you're not too sure, are you either, Lauren? 
No, I, I don't know. No, never really thought about it, I suppose. So yeah, I looked it up. Um, nothing special, just looking on Wikipedia. And basically what it was was a, a cricket club in Sheffield called Wednesday. And um, what they did is they decided that um, they needed um, to keep their players fit during the winter months. So they created a football team. So it started off as Wednesday FC, um, and then eventually it changed into um, Sheffield Wednesday. Um, Then they used to be called um, the Blades, and then they had a monkey as their kind of mascot for a while, and then they picked up the owls. But I thought, yeah, it's quite interesting little little story there. All started with cricket, um, and obviously Sheffield Mm. Wednesday, one of the oldest clubs in in the football league, aren't they? Funny, yeah, funny they had the Blades and obviously then you got Sheffield. Yeah, because obviously Blades. every I think every club and everyone from Sheffield was known as the Blades. Um, ah, I didn't know that. Okay. Well, yeah, there you go. I feel like it's something I should know. It's one of those football facts you should really know the answer to. But, you know, I wasn't too sure when you asked me, so I thought I'm not going to lie and pretend I know everything about football because I clearly don't. Um, but I think before before we get into the game on this one, Ollie, it's one of, it's, I think the thing I want to reflect on this match day and in this podcast really is it's been incredibly difficult start to the season. We've been really down these last few weeks and I think it's fair enough for us to just take a breath for five minutes and realise, God, we're not out of trouble yet. But that was a fun away day. That was a good fun away day with a lot to kind of be positive about and a particularly gritty away performance to Shrewsbury Town. So I think it's one of those days where it's probably just worth reflecting on, on your match day, really. So well, I'll start with you, Ollie, and then I'll ask Lauren. But yeah, what, what was your match day experience like? You know, you said you were out 12 hours, but yeah, give us a bit of a feel for the whole day. Yeah, it was really good. So yeah, mate, did the journey up there, wasn't too bad. Um, good old ways took me into the stadium, um, near the stadium, parked up on, on, a, on a back street. So yeah, free parking. I met um, Chris Hudson and his brother. Uh, I saw um, um, Lewis at Mitswitch Shrew and a few others uh, having a few a beer pre-match. Um, had a good pie and then yes, yeah, sat the guys sat near you guys, um, sat near Dave as well. And yeah, it was it was good. Um, it was a really really good match kind of day. And it was all those things you kind of miss seeing familiar faces, having that that really nice away day experience. It was fantastic. I, I really enjoyed it and it was. And it was great to get out. I'm, I feel like I'm on. Um, I'm kind of on leave before I go go off on a mission. Um, having a kid, so it feels <laughs> like I'm, I'm allowed um, to go out at the moment. Um, I don't think we're going to too many away games um, as we as we kind of get through December into the new yeah. year. You're going to leave all that shit to me, aren't you? After yeah. December, thanks for that, mate. Um, there we go. And, and Lauren, you say obviously you're missing your dad, uh, who you will usually go with. But um, yeah, who, who, did you drag anyone along yesterday? And kind of what was your match day routine like yesterday? So I am. Um... Decided to take my mum for the first time in a good number of years yesterday. So we travelled up together from um, home. We had breakfast before we went and then found, parked up, um, sat and I took us straight past the ground and I found some on-street parking for free, which I was quite impressed about. Um, And then ended up walking back into town, met a couple of um, friendly Sheffield fans, but they didn't really know where away fans could go for a beer. So we uh, took a punt and ended up in the Shaky, which was... um, quite full of Wednesday fans but they were made to feel quite welcome and allowed to stay so a couple of pints and then down to the ground and it was nice seeing everyone again and just seeing the familiar faces familiar characters and just getting back on a really good away day um, with so many fans because I thought it was brilliant yesterday. I think that's really fair, Lauren. I think brilliant yesterday is a, is a really good description of it. I think it, to me, felt like the proper first proper away day um, p- since we've had the old COVID break. Do you know what I mean? It was fun enough going up to up to um, Morecambe the other week, and it was a kind of day on the seaside. But there weren't too many town fans there, and honestly, it was probably the the three four hundred hardcore. Obviously, the other the other away game was a Tuesday night, which we didn't go to. Too many of us did we? So yeah, it did really feel like that. And you know, similar to you guys, obviously, I usually 
have the uh, the whole thing with the kids in the morning. So we got up early and made a, a trip to Rotherham to some um, indoor inflatable centre, which absolutely knackered me out, but also completely knackered the kids as well. So um, had a morning there, got a bit of lunch, and then headed over and like yourselves, found a, a nice bit of on-street parking, maybe a, a five, six-minute walk from the ground, which was ideal. Um, you know, did a bit of milling round, looked at the stadium, got in quite early, and then, yeah, obviously met up with Ollie, Dave Matthias, and, and his little lad, Zach, I think, who was at one of his uh, sort of first few away games he's been going to. So that was a, a real nice experience. And then, yeah, atmosphere was cracking. And, Ollie, you mentioned Waze there, and I think we really need to do something. We maybe need a sponsorship from Waze. If you're a football fan, and you go to away games regularly, and you're driving, you're not on the bus, and you're using just your standard navigation app, you need to knock it on the head. Waze is really, really good. So it's like an app you can get, you know, on your iPhone or your Android, and it's one of those ones that is, like, crowdsourced. I think we've mentioned it before, but it basically finds you the best route home and avoiding all the traffic, and clearly the M1 was absolutely knackered yesterday, and, um, you know, you were best off avoiding it. And so, yeah, Waze got me home at a reasonable time, like yourself, and um, I think that that's something we should definitely upsell on this podcast, because I'm a big fan of it, Ollie. Yeah, I'm a, a, bit, a huge fan of Waze with driving a lot with work and I remember once it took me off the M40 along along some country lanes I mean Warwickshire and then back onto the M40 which was empty and it was like yeah it was quite magical there's no one else on this country lane and yeah it's definitely a a bit of a cheat code but then sometimes you do realize you're in a kind of a long chain of people driving ways on sometimes when there are accidents and stuff Um, but I had quite a fun journey home so I decided so it took me down to the A38 I was driving around the A38, I thought, well, I'm going to go and see my parents who don't live far off the A38, like about 15 minutes or so. So I was driving through Barn and mm. Deneedwood, and there's two lads I used to go to school with and play football with. They live in London now. So I what? parked my car up, saw them, just thought I'd just tell a tale in five minutes, ended up chatting to them for so long that my mum called me to ask where I was. Um, and then I finally got to my parents' house, said hello to them, and then drove home. And, and then I thought, I've got to get something to eat at NET. And then um, I decided to go to a McDonald's near Litchfield, which was full of Villa fans. And then I had to, they told me to park up, which is the dreaded thing if you ever do a drive-through. And then mm. I finally got home. I, I paid for the toll and got home in the end. But yeah, it's a bit of a mission, but a good day out. Yeah, I'll I come to that in a minute because I've got a question about the ground stuff. But I just I just remember something happened on our way home. And it's, it's like, again, one of those things that you kind of have to have on a on an away trip when you're driving and you're coming home. So we, we obviously bombed over the, the, the road off to Manchester, got to Stockport, came back on the A50, M56 and stopped off at Lim Truck Stop. The service is there. And there's a McDonald's. Kids wanted a little Happy Meal for tea because we'd not had any food before we left the ground. Stopped in there. Queuing up to get it, and there was a load of Liverpool fans in there because Liverpool had been at home. I think they'd won three 0 and then Arsenal fans were on there way back from Burnley, and obviously we were going cross country, and so sort of fans groups meet up in a service station or a McDonald's, and you kind of you get a bit of that banter. Liverpool fans seemed to be in good spirits, but then these Arsenal fans came in and they started chanting and shouting really loudly in the McDonald's, and then they saw the Liverpool fans and they just started chant- chanting about um, that Harvey Elliott and his broken ankle in like quite a horrible way. And there was all these people at McDonald's, all these families not knowing probably much about football, thinking what the hell's going on here? It was a bit a bit unsavoury, but yeah, you always get that. On a, on a away game, you bunch into a bunch of fans off a minibus who've been drinking all day. It can be a bit unsavoury, can't it? <laughs> yeah, it can, you sure can. And yeah, that's the <laughs> that's the kind of side of football fandom that is just yeah, it's just so unnecessary. Um, and just yeah, just meatheads being stupid. It sounds like. Yeah, it was a bit of daft, really, but there we go. Typical thing. And I suppose before we move on to the game and get into it in a bit more detail, obviously, we talked about this being the first time, you know, Salop have been at, um, you know, a Sheffield uh, Wednesday for a very, very long time. Obviously, not in my lifetime. Um, well, we've been there, but not at the time of sporting, you know, going to the games regularly. Um, so, Lauren, what did you make? I think it's your first experience of, of, um, of, of Wednesday's ground, Hillsborough. What did you make of the ground, really, and the, and the view we had and, and the whole sort of, uh, you know, ambience around it, I suppose. That's not really very fair. It was an industrial state. But, um, yeah, what did you make of the ground? I thought um, the ground was, it's quite old school 
um, and a really, really good away end. I mean, it, mm. the terrace was, it, we were behind the goal of, and uh, sort of in the second tier. So the view from behind the goal was fantastic. Um, sometimes I find it quite hard watching it from behind the goal and being that much higher up, um, it was really, really good view. You could see the play, sort of how they were setting up the teams for defending and things like that, which for Shrewsbury yeah. was pretty scary um, at times. <laughs> but for, for watching Sheffield attack was uh, quite interesting from the height. I know Dave Mathias, when I saw him at half-time, made a comment about that and how you know you could see all their, their organisation and we just looked a bit of a shambles. Um, but it was a great view. It was an interesting area. Uh, but it was nice to go to a new ground. And uh, I haven't done one for a couple of seasons of, with COVID and missing. Hull would have been my new ground last year. Uh, but it was nice to get to a new ground and experience a different away day because it, it can be, you know, a bit boring doing the same ones all the time. Although some of them are great, like Accrington's a great away day. But to do a big ground like Sheffield Wednesday was brilliant yesterday. Yeah, I agree with you there, Lauren. Um, you know, I'll ask Ollie a question about the ground in a minute, but I, we were just talking before we recorded, weren't we, about um, you know how many grounds town we've been to as a sort of collection, and I think a lot of people our age, you know, sort of late mid thirties. I don't want to you know guess your age too much, Lauren. Actually, that would be probably be a bad thing for for the podcast. But um, you know, me and Ollie, are sort of, I'm in my forties. Ollie's head in there, isn't he? And you know, we've not had a chance to go to Hills before, so you know, it's another one on the list of, of grounds we've been to. But what what number are you up to now, roughly? Do you reckon in terms of the the ninety two league teams? Uh, early 70s I think from last count so all with Shrewsbury Town Bar Man United as well so um, I've done them over the, quite a long time obviously we are talking before we've lost quite a few with the conference season and teams that yeah. have gone out of the league um, so yeah I think it's around in about the early 70s now 72 something like that um, and all with Shrewsbury have just missed quite a few unfortunately with like um, Arsenal and Southampton, West Ham, when yeah. they've been on Tuesday nights and not been able to get to them due to work, which has been really frustrating. But um, hopefully, one day we'll manage to get to the 92. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, you never know the way some teams are going, like Derby, you might be end up playing them uh, in the Football League at some point. I mean, Ollie, first, I suppose, you know, what what number are you up to? And then, yeah, what did you make of Hillsborough? Because just before, and I haven't got too much to say, I, I hate sitting behind the goal. You know that we said on the podcast before. But I think where we were sitting on Saturday was probably the only acceptable behind the goal view I think I've ever had watching Shrewsbury Town. So um, I was all right with that. But yeah, what, what are you up to, Ollie? And what do you make of Hillsborough? Yeah, I, mean, I can't remember exactly. I did post tweet it out, but I can't remember now. It's in the 50s. So um, not, not as good as Lawrence. That's some credit to Lauren for that high number. And yeah, I really yeah. hate sitting behind the goal, but there's a big difference, isn't there, being behind the goal at Accrington, Stanley or Warsaw um, and then being that high <laughs> up. Um, I, I remember going to, I remember I used to go to quite a few Villa games when I was younger. Um, my next door neighbour is a big Villa fan, so I used to go when I used to live um, in Yorkshire. So yeah, it's, it's it's good. When you're up that high, it's good. And But, but when um, Bannon is running towards you um, and your defenders are backpedalling, it did make you feel a little bit vulnerable. Yeah, for sure. And on the ground, I, th- I saw I saw something interesting from um, uh, Mike Davis, um, obviously one of our supporters, ladies and officers, and a big part to play with the safe standing that we brought in at the football club. And obviously that fan led campaign that he kind of headed up for us with with Brian and, and Roger Groves. And you know he was he was there on Saturday, one of one of the away games he'd been to, and um, he said he, he just remembered, you know, obviously the horrific thing that happened at Hillsborough all those years ago, and the reason why standing was you know not allowed for a long period of time in new stadiums. And obviously you know he said it just reminded him of how much effort it had taken and the work with Liverpool supporters groups and all of that stuff to bring in safe standing and us be the first 
first football league club to do it. And then a little moment at half time, just remembering kind of the, the, the reasons and the why, why and the wherefores is how we got there really. So I thought that was quite a, an interesting moment really from, from Mike when I read that on Twitter. So yeah, um, I guess that's it really in terms of the preamble for the game. Um, yeah, cracking atmosphere as soon as we got in there, wasn't it? It was really loud even before kickoff. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll move on to looking at the game, Ollie. Well, what a revelation Shrewsbury have been. Full of ideas, full of confidence and a lot of football. Maguire's corner, Chapman, it's there! So Sheffield Wednesday 1, Shrewsbury Town 1. Um, both goals in the first half. Attendance um, was 21,976. Um, we reckon there's about 800, 900 Shrewsbury Town fans who... Yeah, made a lot of noise, um, mm. and yeah, it was it was a good good day out for Tuesday hands as, as we said. Um, we've got a decent record um, against um, Sheffield actually in the, in the recent years, and obviously we beat them in the FA Cup and we lost to them in the League Cup in eighteen um, nineteen eighty seven, um, and then before then we drew with them and we beat them um, in and last time we played them in the league we actually beat them, um, so we beat them um, at at home. Um, at the Gay Meadow in May uh, 1984 and we drew away at their place in, in December 1983 so obviously hadn't played them too much in recent years but not a bad record against them so in terms of um, the Shrewsbury Town lineup, um, we had we had the same back three um, that we would expect to see for most of the season we had Morrissey in goal Pennington, Ebanks and Pierre and Bennett and Leahy um, were wing backs then we had um, Davis and Vela um, a, hard to describe where Wally was playing Sometimes he, he seemed to be in a bank of three with Davis and Vela. Sometimes he was floating in attack, but I thought Wally had a good game. Um, he seemed to adapt to that role quite well. And then it was great to see um, Bowman come in, um, and then Cosgrove, the enigma, was up front, Glenn. So I guess you weren't too surprised by that starting lineup. Uh, no, it's it's difficult with alliance, isn't it? With the lack of players we have at times, I suppose. Um, you know, we just have the same old better questions that we're probably just going to keep saying until he finally gets back in the team. And Davis Davis Vela is the only options we've got there. You know, who plays in the ten? Sometimes it's been a doe, sometimes it's been Wally. I think we we said the other week, didn't we, that Wally's probably our best option there. And and actually, we'd said last week we wanted to see Bowman, didn't we, up front? Um, didn't really matter who it was who it was with at the moment, but Bowman clearly to me has got a bit more, and um, definitely showed it in this game. So it wasn't too surprising. I don't know, Lauren, did you did you have any sort of thoughts when you saw that team lineup come out an hour before kickoff? It wasn't really surprised given the size of the squad. Really, um, I quite like Tom Bloxham, so I was a bit disappointed he didn't get a run. But I know that Cottrell said that he's been tired after the run of games that he's had. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it was possibly the strongest option we've got to field really uh wally i did wonder where he was playing at some points during the game yesterday but i thought he did okay <laughs> um and it was nice for bowman to get the 90 minutes as well because uh, we've been waiting to really see what he can do i suppose as he's not been fit um to start the season so it's good to see him get a start yeah and well it's quite interesting on the on the blocks and thing i think everyone really wants to see him play every week and you know, on the Friday, the story in the Shropshire Star was Shrewsbury Town have, have not just won the lottery. We've got, we've got the golden gamble, you know, number and everything. We've, we've going to be tens of millions of pounds in the bank or, you know, it wasn't obviously that much money. But Cottrell was making a big play about how much money he's going to be worth to the club. And then, yeah, he's not fit enough to play, unfortunately, which was a bit unfortunate. But, yeah, interesting that, you know, I think Cottrell obviously rates him very, very highly. There's something to be said about that press interview he did. Maybe it was a little bit of a distraction from some of the other issues we've got going on. But, um, yeah, it clearly looks like Shrewsbury Town are going to want to cash in on Bloxham, which is unsurprising. 
I suppose. Yeah, I think he'll want to play. He'll he'll want to play at a high level. Um, maybe he'll have the ability to do that. Obviously, we need to see a lot more of him before we know he can do that. But if we think he has the potential. Yeah. I can. I was did a, a bit of a tongue in cheek reply to that thread. One, it was a bit depressing because yeah, as a kid that we haven't really seen is potentially going to leave the club, and we'll <laughs> probably just put the money in the bank um, and look after it. Maybe try and get some interest on it, um, and then. Yeah, you, you then then the starting lineup. I don't think it was that surprising, was it, that um, we started with two more experienced heads um, for an, an away game at Sheffield Wednesday. So for me, not a surprise, but I'm sure we'll see Boxham in the starting lineup again soon. Yeah, yeah, you know, five five sort of defensive minded players, and Davis and Vela are also probably a little bit more defensive minded than more attacking, I suppose. And it set us it looked like it was trying to set us with a good platform to try and counter from. But um, as much as we did do that second half, first first start to this game, Ollie was was. <laughs> Not the best, was it? Was it was it the worst we played in twenty minutes this season? I think you would have to argue that it probably was. It was yeah, it was awful. a really really <laughs> poor start from Shrewsbury Tarrant. Um, it just seemed that it be it was the classic kind of four three three versus the the, the wing backs in the back three. They were just overloading the flanks, um, and they were just running forward. So they were domi- not only were they dominating centre midfield, they were dominating the flanks. We looked completely outnumbered in those areas, and, and areas where we should have had obviously numeracy advantage. Didn't really feel like we were because we were backtracking. And um, yeah, the first what was it? Maybe twenty five minutes or so. I think I don't think it would have been too unfair to say that Sheffield Wednesday could have been three or four nil up. It was a terrible start to the game. Um, and yeah, it all. And then they got their goal early on, and fairly early on. So six minutes in, and actually, this was a mistake uh, by the referee. He gave um, Sheffield Wednesday a corner. It wasn't a corner. It should have been a goal kick for Shrewsbury Town. Um, but the corner was taken, um, swinged, a, swung into the box. Um, I believe it was Bowman. The Bowman and Pennington were both kind of close, but I believe it was Bowman who, was, who failed to track his man. Um, and then yeah. He's ball in the back of the net six minutes in away at a big club like Sheffield Wednesday was pretty much the worst kind of start. It reminded me a little bit of Ipswich away, Glenn, from a couple of years ago, yeah, where true. it was that long train journey, lots of beers, lots of fun, and then, yeah, bang, concede really early. Um, and, yeah, question question for both of you. So I'll start with you first, Glenn. And it's a question from Dan Hoff on Twitter. Why exactly are the players getting so free from position set pieces? Um, is it the way we're organised or is it simply a mistake by individuals? Um, and obviously this is a different player this time. I mean, without being a particularly big football expert and understanding the minutiae of how you set set pieces up, my experience as a fan is that I think it's just that we're not very good at defending set pieces and we're making continually making mistakes, you know. The, the the unforgivable thing about the goal is you let inside Barahino score and he must be what all of five foot two he's not exactly a monstrous player up front that should be beating all the headers to a Pennington a Ebanks and a Pierre so when you've got those three playing it is to me even more disappointing that we're conceding from set pieces like that because you know we're not playing you know one of our shortest lineups of all time or even physically you know not not physically strong so um yeah what what is it I don't know we can't tell what they're doing in training I, I guess that. They are training set pieces and they are looking to, to you know do the best they can. But it is a concern. We rarely score from corners and we, we do certainly concede a lot from corners and free kicks. So, yeah, may, maybe there is more they can do in that department. It's certainly, when you're looking at areas to improve, Laura, and that's definitely one of them, isn't it? Defending set pieces. Yeah, I think that the defending's been the most upsetting thing with this team, to be honest, because we've, seen, we've made so mm. many costly, costly errors throughout the season so far. And one of the things that we've, been very good at over the last few years is we've had a pretty solid defence and I think last year when we got the results and we managed to secure safety those players had a strong base and they looked secure but we just seem to be making too many mistakes whether they're individual errors or 
marking errors or set up errors at set pieces it, it it's been frustrating to watch because it's something that we've been all right at last season and the same players seem to be making so many mistakes this season it is really yeah, frustrating, not... isn't it? Um, just just to make a comment, um, Brahino is is five foot eleven, so he's not he's not too short. But wow. um, but for me, it feels like it's <laughs> individual errors. Yeah, um, I think the so. manager did talk about it in post match, saying that we do practice, you know, sending defending set pieces, something they work on. So for me, it seems like we're just making individual errors. Um, individual players, opposition players are winning individual battles, um, and we're conceding sloppy goals and set pieces. Um, but it's we keep shooting ourselves in the foot. Um, and if we're going to get relegated, it's 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 certainly not going to help. A lot, a lot of that I would agree, Ollie. And and you know, once you get on these bad runs that like we're on, let's be honest, as great as we're going to talk about getting a point of Sheffield Wednesday is, it's not great in the overall context of where we were and where we we're in the football league. And we'll come to that at the end. And and you've still got that pressure they're playing with every week. You've still got that that sort of stress and and anxiety of of trying to get the results that they're playing with. And that any mistake any defender is going to make, you know, is going to get pulled to pieces in the press. You know, with the fans and potentially in the stands if if this run doesn't pick up. So yeah, there's a little bit of that as well. Once you get on a bad run, you probably do start to make more mistakes. It's that that sort of um what's the word that sort of um catch-all where people say you know that's the sort of mistake a team destined for relegation makes do you know what I mean where you can play okay for ages and suddenly you'll drop a bollock and, and that's it you've lost a game one nil and obviously that didn't happen today but yeah it's, it's not great at the moment and um yeah I think they can definitely improve the defending I think Lauren's completely right you know this wasn't an issue last season I, d- I just I still don't feel like you know we can blame Steve Cottrell for p- making us play much more attacking to unsettle the defence because I, st- I just don't feel like we are more attacking most weeks to be honest with you so I don't think it's that the defence are being left you know uh, uh, without a shield Vela and Davis are still there most of the time it is just mistakes at the moment and they well the thing is you, I, I can understand what you're saying to a extent um, but we're not mm-hmm. conceding in open play are we in these situations we're seeing from, from some set pieces yep. even if you're the most attacking team in the world you still have you know a decent number of players in the box and if you don't mm-hmm. win your headers you're going to concede goals so yeah that was really poor and Lauren, you know, Ollie's going to run us through the rest of the, the next 20 minutes in a second. But, um, you know, as you saw this first 20 minutes develop and their goal and, and the chances will run through, you know, what were you making of why Town were struggling so much? Could you sort of put a finger on it, really? Uh, not really, but I really thought we were <laughs> going to get beat three or four nil after we scored so early on. Yeah. Um, and it was it was one of those where I thought, you know, I've brought mum along for the day and uh, she's going to walk away wondering why on earth I still do this. Because <laughs> <laughs> oh. it's been a while and... Uh, it, it, we just looked so disorganised, and they came they came out really attacking, and we just looked disorganised every time we had to defend something, mm. and we always looked as if we were going to concede. I mean, the uh, the penalty certainly seemed to be the turning point, and it, we just seemed to galvanise us a little bit. But we we just made some errors, and it was just quite costly. And then to concede so early, you thought it was going to be a long afternoon. Yeah, that's fair, isn't it, Ollie? And, and you know, you can run us through the the chances they had now up until the penalty because. We got battered, didn't we? And we just were just joint is a really good word, actually, Lauren. I think that kind of sums up that first twenty-five minutes for me. Yeah, it was. It was. I don't think it was disjointed from a, like a tactical organisation point of view. It just seemed like we just seemed to be off the speed of the game. Yeah, um, which meant that we we just couldn't really react very fast, and we were making individual errors. It's. I wouldn't say. Yeah, I'm not saying as you were saying it was necessarily a tactical thing, but yeah, we were just no. completely off the pace. And, it, and whenever they attacked, it looked like they were going to score. Uh, and we're really lucky that they didn't. Um, a really good cross from the left, which was headed wide. Um, and it was basically, the really game was being dominated by Bannon. We were just giving him so much space. Mm. Um, and he could just basically just di- di- dictate the play. Um, was absolutely running the game. Um, and then, um, yeah, they turned us inside out, um, run into the box, Vela wrong side, um, and a penalty. And 
I thought this was a really soft penalty to give away, very frustrating. Um, at the time, Lauren, did you have any, any qualms about the penalty being given? Just a very frustrating penalty to give away in the circumstances when we're already 1-0 down. We don't score many goals as it is. So to give away a penalty like that, and I've watched it back this morning on the EFL, and it was just, it's a silly penalty to be given away in the situation. Um, so it's just disappointing, really. Yeah, clumsy on it, Ollie, I suppose, is, is a good description, which we've said a few incidents which we've been having this season so far. But yeah, I mean, on on the day, I, I thought it looked like a penalty and, you yeah. know, referee's going to give that with the vociferous home fans, you know, you know, chant, shouting for it. It was probably the only thing the Sheffield Wednesday fans did shout for. Um, but um, yeah, I think that, you know, referee referee's probably going to always give that once a player gets the wrong side of you in the box and maybe there's even minimal contact. And it's a shame, you know, I think, you know, it was going, who was that? Was it Leahy? Was it, it, was was it Pennington? Stella. And it was yeah. better. It was a bit surprising, really, because he's normally a bit better than that. But um, I thought it was yeah, Leahy. I thought we both thought it was yeah. Leahy in real time. Um, yeah. yeah, blame maybe because it was the left hand side. But yeah, he was he was pressing, and yeah, they turned us inside out with some good passing and movement there. Um, Vela, to his credit, was trying to track, but yeah, wrong side. But it was only a matter of time until something like that happened, there wasn't it? Because no. the pattern of play yeah, during totally this agree. period was they had it on the edge of our box. They passed us. They passed us. They passed us. They put a ball in, and a lot of the chances they they created chances from it. You know, there was one that went across the box that was looking for a tap in. There was that header from Berahino, as you said. They had a couple of long shots. There was one one other corner where we came out and scrambled it away, and you know, could could easily have been you know getting towards three or four in that opening period, and you know, it just felt like a matter of time until the pressure they were putting on us was going to tell them, and you know, they'd either score a second or make a mistake. But in some respects, I think when you look at the overall balance of the game, you know, it was better that they had a penalty and, and put the pressure on them to score from that rather than just you know score straight away and going 2-0 up because at least it gave us a tiny little chance of a miss and, and maybe changing the, the flow of the game and you know obviously it was a pretty bad penalty wasn't it Ollie? Yeah it was a, a really really poor penalty taken from Bannon <laughs> um, fired the ball wide um, I was gobsmacked that it didn't go in the back of the net you just you know you see yeah. a player of that calibre uh, for this level taking probably the best midfielder in, in this division and taking, taking the effort and he shoots wide and yeah um, as you guys have both alluded to I felt it gave Shooter Town some belief and some kind of you know yeah. almost gave us like a I think it was almost like we all drank a bottle of Lucasade. it gave us a huge kind of energy lift um, and then yeah um, we, we were playing a bit better then we still we still were giving um, you know opportunities away there was yeah. a really frustrating moment where basically the goalkeeper just threw it to their right back who ran down the pitch and ended with a shot from the striker inside the box but fortunately it was tame and it was easily saved from Morosi so we weren't out of it yet uh, but yeah, Shooter Town started to come into the game. Um, a few decent efforts. The, the first one really came uh, when we got the ball in behind and Vela cut back to Bennett, but he was too far away um, and shot wide. Um, and then the goal came. So really nice one-two with Bennett and Worley. And Worley, I thought, had his best game um, of the season, I thought. He was good at home against Crew. I thought, but I thought his, some of his passing, his movement was really good in this game. Um, passes the ball to Bennett. He gets in across the box um, crossing from good areas which is something we've been critical of um, so far this season and Bowman uses his craft as a striker to, I don't know how he did this but he managed to get the ball in the back of the net and then it took a while for us to realise he's in the back of the net Glenn, and we were just yeah jumping around then going mad yeah, I don't know, Lauren. Have you watched this back? Today? I have not watched it back, but you know, you know, it was definitely one of those moments. Lauren wasn't. We weren't really sure what had happened. And I, I remember saying, "Have we scored?" And then suddenly Bowman's off running. But it was a bit of a, a mad moment where I don't think anyone was really expecting us to score. So it made it feel even more bonkers, really, didn't it, Lauren? Yeah, definitely. It took a while to realise the away end that it actually gone into the goal. It was it was one of those moments where you just think it score off any part of your body. It really doesn't matter. I always remember the Tom Bradshaw goal at, at, at mm. Crew where it came off his backside. And you just sort of thinking, look, we'll take that right now. It doesn't have to be 
a worldie. It doesn't have to be a shot from outside the area. Just get it in the back of the net and to score the way we did. I think it was kind of quite fitting for the situation we were in. And I didn't really realise we'd scored until Bowman was off running and celebrating. And it was kind of that realisation and uh, a good goal celebration in the away end and good noise. Yeah, it was fantastic away end, wasn't it? On on the goal, you know, I don't think anyone really expected us to score in the game. I mean, there was a bit of bit of um, you know, depression setting, and I think just on the penalty. It's funny, Ollie. I was talking to Jason Griffiths, who's a, a lad that played for the away supporters and one of the guys that's always getting the chance started and goes to pretty much every away game. Really, really nice guy. And um, and I was talking to him at half time actually, and, and it was interesting because I'd, I'd spotted to you just before they took the penalty. There was a group of about five or six lads behind us, um, no idea who they were, and they just started chanting, "We want Cottrell out!" Say, "We want Cottrell out!" Literally about I don't know ten seconds before the penalty was taken, and then they missed that penalty. And I was saying to Jace at half time that the penalty miss and then it's getting the goal. It, it almost felt like a. It might be we don't know how the next few results are going, but it definitely felt like a little bit of a. There was a chance that a two nil. Our our town fans would have started to get much more annoyed, and it might not have been the atmosphere that carried us through the second half. And I do really think that the penalty miss and then the goal quite soon after, it completely was like two blows to the solar plexus to Sheffield Wednesday's fans. They shut up. They they didn't settle as a team afterwards and it kind of stopped our fans maybe getting a bit niggly and actually made us have a massive atmosphere in the second half. It was a really interesting kind of 10, 15 minute period in the game. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Glenn. It was perfect timing really, wasn't it? Obviously yeah. the penalty miss should subdue them a little bit. There's still that chance. And then we came into it and got that goal and... In all fairness, you know, obviously we played played okay at the end of the first half. We had a little yeah. bit of play, but you know, we can't say we dominated the first half. If we'd been losing three 0 or four 0 at half time, um, you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't begrudge Sheffield Wednesday that advantage. Um, and it's just that's just almost the beauty of football, isn't it? I know people people talk a lot about data and XG and all that kind of stuff, but yeah, you know, at half time it was it was it was one all, um, which was quite remarkable, really, considering you know they could have been three 0 up. And it's just that kind of narrative, doesn't it? it? Just changes the whole game. Where I was listening to BBC Sheffield coming out of the ground, just interesting, just to get their take on it. And all their fans were complaining about the manager and all that kind of stuff. But to be fair to the manager, he'd set them up in such a way that the, he he set their team up, and they created three or four great chances. Their players didn't take it. Went in at one one all, and yeah, obviously we were still in the game and, and a great opportunity in the second half um, to kind of get some of them. What what were you thinking at halftime, Lauren? Just relieved to go in at 1-1, to be honest. Um, looking back at the chances that they had and the the end to the half that we had, you just hope that they could get together in, in the changing room and just come out with the same bit of fight that they'd started to show in those last 10 minutes or so of the first half and go on to just hold on, really, and maybe, maybe nick it if we were being totally ridiculously optimistic, but also not lose it. And I think it was just... It, it was a relief to go in level because after 20 minutes, I thought we could have easily gone in 3-0 down, um, 3-1 as it was with us scoring. But it it's it was just relief, I suppose, to be there at half-time, still in with a chance. Yeah, there were times, Ollie, in the uh, in the first half where I would have taken being 1-0 down at half-time. That's, that's how bad it was in those early periods. But to be in 1-1 at half-time... Um, you know, and those two blows quieted the fans. All those things I just mentioned before. And I think another thing about it was it finally gave us um, something to kind of hold on to with only forty-five minutes to go. And that that's always been a sort of trademark of town town games. I know we sometimes we've been doing it really well and got late goals against us, and it's been a bit unfortunate. But I, I do think when we're at big clubs and we've got something to hold on to, we just tend to play a little bit above the level we're normally at in a normal league game. And I certainly feel like this second half. We played way better than we've played in most games this season for 45 minutes. Um, obviously, we didn't do it for the whole game, but it was definitely something that was almost like, right, the lads had, had a, you know, must have had a chat with Cottrell and said, 
this is it. We've, we're taking a point from this at least. And there was definitely chances to win it. Um, and it, it's something to hold on to. And we're not going to let this, you know, massive travelling um, bunch of fans down. And I think, again, that was massive to, to get something to hold on to for just 45 minutes. I think I think the fans really helped um, the team massive. keep going. I think they were massive in terms of that performance. Something the managers um, commented on. And yeah, even though, you know, just before the, just before the, the end of the half, Bannon fired wide again. But it's really fascinating looking at the shots. They had six. We had six as well. So, yeah, we've not a lot mm-hmm. of possession. And even though they dominate, we still created a lot of chances. Now, only two are on target, but only in two are on target for them as well. Um, so, yeah, we, we did create chances. I don't, I don't know. For me, this feels like quite an important game. We've got obviously got a lot of quite a tough run of fixtures coming up against yeah, teams that start quite well. And for me, this is going to be really fascinating to see whether we can build on this. Like we hope the Gillingham game would be something to build on. Um, or is it just going to be we're going to kind of go back to that norm where, um, you know, I think one thing we haven't noticed, that was our first away goal of the season. So we played eight games in total and we've only scored one goal <laughs> away from home. So for me, it's while this game was fantastic and it was a great day and all that kind of stuff, it will be really fascinating to see whether this is something we can build on or not. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I, you know, maybe cover a bit more of this at the end of the game and see where we're headed. But it's it you know if we can't get too carried away with a bad start of the season with so many games left to go, we're not we've not fully turned a corner yet. Because the exact thing I said to um, again, I bumped into Jason as he was leaving, and we were both walking down the stairs together, and we just looked at each other and we kind of smiled and said do not lose to AFC Wimbledon because otherwise it just completely undermines a result like this. So definitely something to build on and a couple of games where they can do it. But yeah, we'll come to that in a minute. I suppose second half, you know, let's let's be honest, town were really good, I thought. We, we didn't have much of the ball, but when we had it, we looked dangerous on every counter-attack. Sheffield Wednesday looked fairly anemic from that point onwards. They never really threatened much in the second half at all. Um, and yeah, in all, in all honesty, um, I thought it was a really good, gritty kind of you know what we would have said was Ricketts-esque kind of hanging on to a point game from a few years ago when when we were doing that a bit more regularly and um yeah it was, it was just a good second half wasn't it I thought Lauren? Yeah much better second half Um I thought we did really well we created some good chances it was mm. it was nice seeing us attack our end as well because in the first half we were obviously attacking yeah. the far end so they seemed like a very long way away so it was nice to see that attacking performance um, in the second half and see the chances. And we did create some good chances, which is something that, you know, we've not been doing this season so far. And we've kind of been cheering the one shot on target in a game and to actually have so many chances and to get a bit excited. I know there was one there was one chance and I can't remember who it was now, but I've almost gone up and was celebrating. Um, Lee, yeah. I think it was Lee yeah. Yeah, and it was it was nice to feel as if we could nick it because one of the things I've sort of been feeding back to my dad after the games has always been we can't score goals. So if we go 1-0 down or we concede early on, you think the best we can get is a draw. We're not going to go on and win it. So to come out and have that performance and um, sort of create so many chances I thought was really good and hopefully it's just a turning point because I've just looked at the fixtures and they look quite tough coming up. Yeah, we'll definitely come back to the fixtures. We've got a question um, from a listener um, to kind of talk to look at the next few games, which is I think is going to be really key. But Lauren, you were right, and we did create some good chances. It's really odd, you know. We do. Uh, Glenn loves particularly his shots on target stat. We had two shots on target in the second half. They had zero. Um, so while while, while I'd be you know, maybe saying the fans were being a little bit overly harsh on the first half performance, second half were really poor. A lot of the Sheffield Wednesday fans were commenting that they don't get the ball forward fast enough, um, that they're pedestrian in possession. Now, they had a whopping 73% ball possession in the second half, 
but most of that was um, pissing around a bit in their and their kind of mm. in their own defensive area. And and Shrewsbury Town under Steve Cottrell, one thing that we've been is very well organised, and we're quite happy for the opposition to have the ball. So for me, it was a bit of it was a, that kind of back to that um, that kind of Cottrell counter stacking kind of style that got us those wins in those in those key months when he first joined, and we saw that kind of grit, but also some making some good chances. That Leahy chance. Um, where he fired wide, and I thought he was in the back of the net as well, Lauren, yeah, so did yeah. the manager. I watched it back, and it's actually a bit harder than I remembered. He's actually under pressure from the <laughs> defender, um, so it was a good effort from him as well. But good to see both. It's also, I think this was the first game, really, where we saw both full um, wing-backs really taking a big part of our attacking play. Um, and I thought that was really encouraging. Obviously, Bennett um, provided the assist for the goal. And Leahy, um, I thought, had his best game to date as well. Um, um, Lauren, what was your kind of thoughts on Leahy's performance overall? Exactly the same. Um, I, I've been quite impressed with Bennett from well all through the season so far, really. But I thought Lee he probably had one of his, his best game for us so far. I did like the way we used the wing backs and we were putting balls into into the box and they tried to get forward, um, which I thought was quite impressive because sometimes they seem to be a bit reluctant to do that in other games and it was nice to actually watch them coming forward and putting balls in. And I, I was impressed with Lee yesterday. I found it frustrating that they actually were as attacking in that second half as, as they were because why the hell have they not been doing that against the poorer teams we've been playing this season because we would have got a lot much more joy I would agree with you I mean I've been a bit harsh on Lee over the last few weeks haven't I thinking about some of the performances he's played particularly in central midfield but put him in his natural position let him play left back I thought the 45 minutes second half was definitely the best he's played for the football club um, so yeah if that's a sign of some improvement from him in his natural position that's better as I say as Ollie we've been saying the last few weeks play players in their position you know you had 11 players pretty much in a position they're normally used to other than say Wally in the 10 but he has done that a lot of times before and it and it definitely showed that you know we weren't playing too many players out of position and it definitely helped didn't it yeah it did and obviously we, 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 we react to what we see we, we yep. haven't got crystal balls um, if we did we, we'd have won the lottery by now but we, we, <laughs> we only comment on what we see and for me this was one of the best informants of the season maybe it's taken this time because the way we did pre-season a lot of running a lot of fitness but we haven't done enough maybe football work um, we had a week off again. We've got to cut another week off again now. Hopefully we can start to see some some benefits. We still have all those problems that we have. We don't need to go into them again. It would be boring if we keep repeating them all the time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we definitely have. And we ha- I thought we had the best chances um, of this half as well. So we've had that, uh, the Vela shot in the box as well. Um, and then quite a comical moment, absolutely hilarious moment of the game. <laughs> so um, nice bit of play from Sheffield Wednesday, to be fair. Um, really nice through ball. Um Ball in the back of the net, but I just—I don't know if you guys saw it. I will come to you in a second. Whether you saw it, I saw the linesman put his flag up, and he put it up yeah. straight away, like immediately. And I thought it was hilarious that it seemed like at the time twenty thousand Wednesday fans did not notice, <laughs> and it took them an age to realise um, that it was offside. And yeah, Glenn, I imagine you thought that was quite funny. I looked, I looked across straight away and saw it as well. Yeah, and I, I, I meet me two kids there. Also, Rory were there on Saturday, and um, I was, I was nudging Rory. He's offside, Rory. He's offside. Don't worry. And uh, it was good. And it was one of my favourite things about watching football. You know, one of those fan moments which I really, really love, which is where you're an away game. You're vastly outnumbered. You're away from uh, some fans on the left hand side. You know, who are quite vociferous at times, and they think they've scored. And you're able to just stand up from your seat and just conduct the crowd and let them know they need to sit back down it's one of my favorite things in football um you've got to take those moments while you can and um yeah my children got to enjoy maybe their, their first one of those for for quite a while and um yeah it was just hilarious wasn't it and they eventually all sat back down and um again i think that unsettled them again as the second half went on they didn't create a lot but you know that whole moment seemed to kind of niggle them a little bit and from that point onwards 
their manager made a couple of subs, I think, weakened them as well. They took yeah. off some of the sort of attacking pacey players that really didn't get replaced with anything too good. The number nine who really battered in that early spell drifted out of the game because he didn't have any support. I, I think there's an argument um, for, for the... For the it's Darren Moore, isn't it? Yeah. I think there's an argument his subs didn't really help them at no. all. And, and if anything, it, it helped us get back into the game in those late stages. Interesting, actually, from the, from the Sheffield Wednesday fans on BBC Sheffield, they were saying there's almost... They have too many options in those areas. So they have to kind of change Poor players them. to keep them happy, <laughs> um, which is obviously, you know, we, obviously we've got a lot of strikers. Um, anyone can have a lot of strikers. But yeah, um, yeah, I, I totally agree with you there. I thought kind of the changes unsettled them. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. would you say, Lauren, we had, we had the better of the second half overall? Yeah, I definitely think we had the better of the second half. Um, it got a bit nervy towards the end. And um, at the relief when I looked over and saw that offside flag was massive. Um, but yeah, it, they did seem to unsettle. It did seem to unsettle them, and it made them nervous. And I think the crowd got on their back as well, and they seemed to just be snatching at opportunities, which meant they didn't get any clear chances. Um, rather than showing the composure that they had in the first half, where they they always looked as if they were going to score. In the second half, they looked as if they'd have the chance, but they were never going to score because they just kept snatching at chances in a bit of frustration with the crowd and things like that, maybe. Yeah, if Cottrell says, Ollie, that our fans helped us get over the line, I have to say I agree with Lauren there. I think their fans helped them not get over the line and find that winner because they yeah. became quite on their back. The only time I really heard them during the game was in the second half when they started booing some some segments of play. And yeah, if you're not going to support your team, maybe, maybe that's what happens. Interesting. Now, talk about Jason Griffiths, actually, for a third time now, because one of the other things we were talking about at halftime was kind of the influence of fans and, and trying to stay behind them, particularly at away games. And he was he was trying to sell me on the idea I should never boo, which I'm not sure I'll ever get on board with, Jason, if you're listening. But I would agree. And this is one example where he was completely right where, as we mentioned before, the crowd really saw us through um, yeah. and the Wednesday fans undermined their own team. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right, Glenn. I think it's really hard, isn't it, when you're a fan and you're frustrated, but sometimes there's a time and place for that. Um, you know, I you know, I think everyone loves, uh, you know, you're so rubbish, you know, you've only scored one and, you know, you know, you, you know, there's a lot of banter between fans when you're kind of saying you're rubbish because, you know, we scored a goal, all that kind of stuff, which is quite fun. Mm. But there is a go in that kind of... And I think almost it's probably almost subliminal from Wednesday fans. They're so frustrated with their team. You know, they got relegated from the championship. Um, it wasn't that long ago. They were, you know, in the playoffs of the championship. So I imagine from their fans, it's quite frustrating. And I'm sure they wouldn't have done it intentionally. But subliminally, I thought they really, they kind of sucked the life out of the team in the second half. Um, and just what we're talking about, Sheffield Wednesday fans, like, I don't say this lightly, but I'd have to say it's probably one of the worst um, away as, a, as an away fan home performances from an atmosphere point of view I've ever heard it was yeah. really shocking it was just no chanting no nothing it was just it was very odd I was very very surprised I mean, yeah, you compare them, uh, I'm not sure how many games you went to this Lauren but you know, the comparable ones are those big clubs that have come down in recent years, Sunderland Ipswich, you know, the two I think of. And actually, when we went to both of those stadiums, their their crowds were reasonably good, I thought. You know, Sunderland were good. I think it was a Christmassy kind of game we went to there. Um, there was a reasonable atmosphere from the home fans of that game. Ipswich obviously smashed us, and then they were quite up for it, weren't they? But yeah, compared to Ipswich and Sunderland, the, the Wednesday fans were really quiet. I'm not, sh- not sure if you have any reflections on those two games, Lauren. But yeah, they, were, they weren't exactly uh, buzzing, were they? No, and when they came out and they did Hi-Ho Sheffield Wednesday, and you thought, this, is, this has got the making for a really good atmosphere, the noise. And I yeah. read today in the build-up, Steve Cottrell said, you know, he loves going to Sheffield Wednesday. The atmosphere is brilliant. And um, I, was, I was quite shocked by quite how quiet they were, especially given how much noise we could make in that stand that was, well, there was only 800. I don't really know how much it would hold at capacity. But 
the, the noise that they made was was quite disappointing other than towards the end when they started to get on their backs and yeah <laughs> compared to like Ipswich when we went down there and the noise they made there and when we've been to the Molyneux in the past to Wolves and yeah. I mean the noise that was created Anfield by both well by the Shrewsbury fans but uh, Liverpool at the beginning it was it was quite a surprise to how quiet they were throughout the match you guys did you guys go to the Sheffield United game quite a few years ago when we were in, they were in League One um, and I yeah. thought that was good atmosphere from both sets of fans. So yeah, it's, um, yeah. It's, it's not not not, not like a soft spot for Sheffield United. I didn't really give a <laughs> damn. Um, but yeah, it was it was very good contrast. Yeah, I think it's fair to comment on it. I think you know we went away to Leicester, didn't we, in a Carling Cup game or something, and won there when Mangan scored, and even a half empty Filbert Street seemed louder than a, and a fairly full. Um, Fairly full uh, Hillsborough, which is odd. So there we go. Maybe they just don't give a damn about small clubs like Shrewsbury. They're too big for it. But as uh, Ipswich and Sunderland have found out, you soon come crashing down to earth in League One, especially if you don't escape in the first year. Yeah, so sure and there's going to be another there. one next season, isn't there, with Derby? It's, maybe I have to rebrand well, this as like yeah, failed championship club division or something. That's um, if they survive. Yeah, if they survive. Yeah, we'll see what happens <laughs> there, we there. But um, yeah, I don't think there's really too much else to say about the game. Maybe just a few comments on Wednesday. I thought, it was, I thought they were overly reliant on Bannon. Every mm. time they seem to get the ball, they seem to want to play to him, which is a weakness, but at the same time, also their strength is the fact they got Bannon because he's so amazing. Um, but yeah, it was it was it was an interesting game um, from from a kind of tactical point of view, um, and yeah, hopefully it's something that, a game that we can build on. Yeah, my own observation on Wednesday is Berrino is going to be an amazing signing for a League One club. His movement was frightening during those early spells, and once he gets to hit the ground running and gets yeah. playing with those players regularly, he'll be getting twenty goals this season. No, no doubt about that. Yeah, so, and you were quite pleased with their strikers' um, movement as well. He was he, amazing. Yeah, really good. The number nine, I don't even know what his name was. I didn't check in the end, but he he was absolutely brilliant in that opening spell. Again, drifted out of it once he lost his support. But yeah, I think they've got enough to score enough goals to probably get back up. Where I've seen some of these other bigger teams, where I think they probably will struggle. When Gregory is the name of the striker. He looked like a good player. And anyway, let's talk about good players. Let's go through top three. So, Lauren, start us off. Who did you pick as your top three for this one? Uh, Bennett, Vela, and uh, Bowman. In, in what order? Come on, who was who was your man of the Bennett, match? Bennett, Bennett's, uh, Bowman, I thought, was my man of the match. I thought he yep. did really well. Um, first opportunity. Um, really good to see him play the full 90 minutes, I thought, in in a, in, in a team that we look, where we looked a bit better. Uh, I thought Vela was fantastic. He drifted out a bit of it when he got his yellow card, but then he always does when he picks up his, his yellow cards in games, <laughs> um, which is just... A bit of a unfortunate thing because his game—that's his game, isn't it? And it, he's going to pick up some. But and then I thought Bennett was fantastic, and it was it hard pick between him and Lee really. But I just thought Bennett his consistency and also he, he put some good balls in, and he had, I thought he had a really good game. Yeah, I, I can't disagree with the top two. I went for Bowman and Vela for pretty similar reasons. I thought Bowman's movement was some of the best we've seen from any of the forwards this season, Ollie. I thought he was really good trying to keep them honest, even when we were struggling. He didn't stop running. Link-up play was, was really good as well when he held the ball up. I was, I was impressed with him, a def, definite man of the match. Again, I went for Vela, like, um, like Lauren just said there, because, yeah, just all action. And he was really a big driving force in that second-half performance. And, and I could have gone for Bennett in my third place as well and agreed with Lauren. But I actually have been quite harsh on Leahy, and I thought I've got to recognise him having one of his better games. So I went for Leahy. I thought he was really good going forward um, once we got through that tricky opening spell he was sort of defensively solid and um, acted like the sort of leader I thought as well at some some points in the game sort of ch- chapping people on and you know trying to drive us as well a little bit like Vela was so um, yeah I was really impressed with Leahy he was my third yeah I thought that was fair Glenn um, yeah Leahy I thought had a, a good game um, as well um, I he wasn't in my top three actually though I went to Vela Vela is just unbelievable he's I can't believe so he's good. playing even a high level 
and then he was last season. So I went for Vela, I went for Bowman second, and, and, and Bennett third. Um, but yeah, no, notable comments for, for Vela. I'm sorry for Lee. Sorry, I thought he had a really, really good game, um, and it's good to see him him doing well as well. Um, it's interesting actually, Glenn, in terms of top threes this season. Um, so Vela is ahead on 93 points uh, when it yep. all totaled up. Um, Elliot Bennett second with 92. And then third is um, is actually Nurse um, with 51 points. Mm-hmm. Um, but first points for Ryan Bowman. Um, he started the season really well with 25 points. So yeah, if he start, if he carries on bagging in the goals, um, yeah, he'll be able to maybe try and catch up with um, Vela and Bennett. But yeah, at the moment it's between those two. Yeah, I think I think it's, I think it's a fair reflection. I put it up on Twitter, and no one really disagreed with. We, we've got Lee in the Salop Class Player of the Season, so we'll see how that goes on. Um, I'll probably just finish this one off really with with Cottrell's comments, Ollie. I know he was pretty happy with our fans, wasn't he? Yeah, he was very happy with the fans. Really pleased with the kind of noise they made. Um, he said at the end, he said we thought he could have nicked it, and that Lee shot he was talking about. He thought he thought it was in. It was right. He was right behind it. And it just curled at that last second. Um, really kind of it's almost mean. It almost took you know almost kind of yeah made us think it was going in the back of the net. Um, he said, we didn't start the game with enough belief, uh, but it never should have been a corner. He commented on that. Um, he said the pen, that could have been, that was the turning point in the game. Um, and he said he couldn't see if Joff clipped him or not, but maybe he was a bit clumsy. Um, and he said, we certainly didn't deserve to get beat. And then on Bowman, he thought he was excellent. Uh, pleased he got off the mark and he showed great physicality. And I think that's something that we've yeah. been lacking from our strikers. Um, Bloxham hasn't really played up front, so it's you know it's not criticism of him. But Cosgrove hasn't really put himself about. But I thought something that Bowman did really well. Cosgrove wasn't great in the game either, was he? If I'm honest with you, he no, he's a bit of a passenger fall- for a lot of the games. To be fair, <laughs> did a lot of falling over, which is beginning to piss huge Bajan fans off from my experience on the terrace on Saturday. But I think yeah, after we went off and a doe came on, I mean, it's funny, huge Bajan fans love a doe, don't they? Even like five minutes in, we were chanting for a doe, which I thought was a bit weird. But anyway, there we go. I'm not sure we were chanting for he's a doe. A, I think it was he's just got a new chant. doing his chant. Yeah, doing yeah, his exactly. new chant. Um, there we go. That's fine. I, I think I, we were just mentioning before we recorded on this one that it was again, you know, much like shushing people and telling them to sit down when they've scored a goal that was offside. Um, I enjoyed my experience of walking all the way back round Hillsborough amongst you know twenty odd thousand home fans looking fairly chipped off with the whole thing in my Shrewsbury Town shirt, just sort of with that you know smug grin, Lauren, that you can have as you're walking out of a ground. Yeah, definitely. It, it, it was a it was a nice feeling for a change because we haven't experienced it for a while and. We were going mm. against, well, with a lot of the fans, and it was nice to walk away, kind of thinking, "I'll take that. I'm happy with that. We've done, we've done ourselves proud. They've worn the shirt with pride, which I know I've been critical of at times this season because they just didn't look as if they got passion and the pride early, early days was a yeah. concern for me. Where yesterday I thought they, they showed the commitment f- for the team. They all f- like played together as one, and I think with the fans as well, it was just one of those feel good factors at the end of the game where you walk away and you think. It's a Saturday well spent. It's a nice away day. And uh, walking with all the fans kind of looking at your shirt, almost, I was like, come on, please make a comment, you know, because you kind of, <laughs> you've robbed us or anything like that. But they didn't. But it, it, it was it was good fun at the end just to have that, like you say, smug look and driving home with a point. And it, it was a, it ended off, ended the day well, really. Yeah, Ollie, I think that's fair, isn't it, what Lauren says? We're, we're, actually, we're actually smiling. I mean, it's a Sunday night, and I'm smiling recording this for the first time in a few weeks, Ollie, which has been quite a wait, hasn't it? Yeah, it has been a wait. It has been a wait. Um, it's it's a good good performance, a good result, a good point on the road, 
doesn't get us, you know, out of the kind of the danger zone. Um, but hopefully, no. it's something we can build on. Um, we will um, at the end of so for those who didn't go to the game, we want to get a sample of the atmosphere. We'll we use um, as a chant I recorded um, of the of the fans, and we use that maybe for the kind of the outro of the podcast. Yeah. Um, but bless your little son, Glenn, because I tried to record Trudy Town fans for the for the joy of the podcast, um, and his little voice popped up on every chant I did. So he certainly had a good afternoon, um, and I'm glad to hear that he enjoyed himself. Oh, they loved it. He, as he said to me, just as the game game was coming to an end and the, the crowd were in this vociferous, loud, you know, atmosphere he's in, he, he turned around to me and he said, Dad, this has been one of the good games. <laughs> I thought, oh, I thought that's him. a very, very apt thing to say, Rory. So he, he's starting to learn. Although there was one point where he was shouting so loud, I think his voice might have dropped at one point. So <laughs> it's coming, towards the, coming towards that period. So may, maybe it'll be a few weeks yet. But um, yeah, my, my kids absolutely love their day out. And as I say, it's the first time I've done a proper me and my children day out since COVID hit and I just I just loved that experience again of, of being able to just enjoy it with them and, and, and that sort of thing so fantastic all in all uh, there we go I think you know we, we've done a lot on that game Ollie I think yeah. we, we'll probably need to wrap this up but you've got one question from a fan haven't we to finish yeah so we do a fan and we've got something else to finish off yeah so um, question from from, um, from Paddy um, so it was a great point yesterday but what do we need for the next two home games to back it up and for me that that's key so yeah next three fixtures are pretty tough to be honest We've got oh, AFC Wimbledon at home, who have started the season really, really well. And then we've got Wickham Wanderers at home, which will be a joy. Bloody love Wickham. Um, and then we've got um, Bolton Wanderers away on the 2nd of October. So we've got a Saturday game this Saturday coming up. So we've got another week to prepare. Then we have go to a Tuesday, Saturday again. And for me, the two home games, minimum four points. We've got to get a win at home against one of these two teams. Maybe drawing against Wickham, who have who have built another, you know, rebuilt their squad and a really strong side. So a draw against them, maybe at the end of the world. But no, no disrespect to Wickham, um, but we've got to start picking up some results. Um, what would you say, Lauren? Would you would you say you know would you want two wins or you a similar page to me? Similar to you, I think. I mean, two. I think two wins probably, given our start, would be a bit greedy. So I'll, I'll take a win and a draw. Um, but the fixtures look tough because we then travel to Ipswich, which I know are down the bottom, but that, that is a hard place to go. So I think if we're sitting here with four points after the two home games, I'd be quite happy. I think we've got to win at home. We've got to get at least one of them as a win. What would you say yeah, to that, Glenn? Yeah, I'd agree with that. It's... um. It's interesting. I almost feel like if you look at this little next block of three games that we don't want to lose two of the three of them. We, we need to get a win and, you know, as Lauren just said, a point somewhere or even two two wins if we win those two home games. To, to only take three points from these three games or even just one point or naught points at a worst case would be fairly disastrous. Even three points doesn't really help us all that much because you'd expect some of the teams at the bottom to definitely take at least three or four points um, from this spell. I think if we only won one of these three games, we'd be bottom of the league um, and that's the start of October. So, you know, as much as it's it's like, well, it'd be greedy to expect us to get more than one win, Unfortunately, the situation dictates that we need to get more than one win. Um, we need at least four points. So I'm looking for us to start to kick on um, because this is the end of September now into October. And if we don't do it now, we are definitely going to be in the ship by the time October starts. So as much as, as, as I want to predict us to do well, um, I am concerned that we might not. And, you know, if we if we don't pick up those points in these little free games here, it don't get any easier, Ollie, as, as Lauren just said. So um, for me, I think we need to take at least four points and definitely not lose two. Yeah, fixtures just look really hard. After that, after mm. Bolton, then you've got, as Lauren said, Ipswich away, MK Dons at home, Oxford away. That's a tough one. Um, and then we've got Cambridge, who you know who, who start the season really well as well. And then after that, we've got Lincoln. Um, so October mm. is not an easy month at all. Um, and to be honest, the start of November is really tough as well with Wigan and Rotherham. 
They're all tough when you don't yeah, bottle them. Yeah, it's, it's a hard division. Um, but yeah, we did. We've said this a few times. We haven't. I don't think we've over lamented it. But the start of the season for me was 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 quite a soft start. Um, and then yeah, the fixtures are going to get tough. So we've got to start picking up points. Oh, we we're definitely um, relegation fodder. So just before I've got one last thing to mention on this, I suppose let's just nail some some things to the fact. What what do you think Lauren's going to happen against Wimbledon next Saturday? I'm going to go with an optimistic three points. I just I hope we win. Just get three points, put in a good, good performance, follow up yesterday's performance as well. Um, and it would just be nice for us to build a bit of a run because then I think we can go into Wickham with a little bit more confidence. I think it, they're, they're a team that need the confidence and need to put a run together. So I think Wimbledon, it gives us an opportunity to do that if we can build on yesterday's result and yesterday's performance second half. Yeah, I think I would agree with that. I think we're probably... I think we probably will beat Wimbledon just taking a bit from the game on Saturday and um, yeah they've started well but then they're not world class team are they they're not someone we should be thinking we won't be able to beat at home despite how bad we've been so I think I will go for us to sneak it 2-1 Ollie um, I don't know about you yeah I think I think we'll win um, and I may even surprise myself maybe we might even get that clean sheet that we've been looking for as well um, that would be nice as well so three points in a Former clean sheet is, is being very greedy um, but yeah Wimbledon have started the season well you know they've got the eight games they've got 12 points um, yeah. And yeah, they 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 won. They scored fifteen goals. We scored four. So Greedy. Yeah, if we get a clean sheet there against them, that would be a very good result. Mm, no, there we go. And I suppose we're just going to leave it here now. Um, we'll say thanks to Lauren in a second. But I did notice this week, and I thought this was something we should commend the club for. Um, and I noticed it last week that a few sort of um, you know of the well-run clubs down the bottom of the sort of football league area, League One, League Two, non-league. Um, you know, your, your Accrington's, for example, had started to join um, this campaign um, group called Fair Game, um, and it's it's aimed at bringing together the value-driven clubs um, to call for change. Um, across the football league, in terms of you know a better redistribution of money, just a fairer playing field for all clubs, not just the elite. Great, I mean that's something I can one hundred percent get behind. I saw a few Shrewsbury Town fans mention it on Twitter. Lo and behold, a few days later, Shrewsbury Town were the thirtieth club to sign up to it. So yeah, I wanted to give them a massive amount of credit for that. I think it's good that they're thinking about the, the whole game and and our position in it and trying to make it more value driven. Quite what these group of clubs can start to do as time goes on, we don't know. But certainly, if they're working on one agenda, they can you know start to to um, you know look at votes and stuff that are going on in the football league and things like that. And um, hopefully, it'll have a have a sort of impact going forward. And obviously, you know, even after Shrewsbury, we've seen Doncaster join today. So I think it's a campaign we'll probably look at in a bit more detail over the next few weeks, Ollie, because we've, we've done a lot here. But um, great to see us join it, and I'm, I'm interested to hear a bit more about it. Really, yeah, no, it's good to see we've joined that. Some great clubs, yeah, Lincoln, Accrington, Stanley, other clubs, good guys. Sort of, yeah, so that's great to see. And yeah, fingers crossed. Obviously, there's a lot of changes that the government um, committee is, is still working on. Mm. So it'd be interesting to see what happens. So hopefully, there'll be some change. And kind of the, the 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 kind of the pessimist in me thinks that nothing will really change. But fingers crossed, that there can be <laughs> some change at some point. Because yeah, we can't keep having it where clubs like you know like Derby get in the situation there are it's not fair on the employees it's not fair on the local suppliers and it's certainly not fair on their fans yeah I think that's a good place to leave it so thanks to join us Lauren uh, and hopefully you'll be back at the football you'd had soon like you mentioned and uh, and back to enjoying it and I'm sure we'll see you at some more away games this season yeah definitely thanks very much for having us again and uh, look forward to next time and uh, hopefully a bit more of a successful season now and a bit put on a bit of run together talking about positive things rather than negative things <laughs> yes we, we would like to get back to that um so yeah there we go Ollie. we will be back next Sunday, won't we obviously another one game week so we'll be searching out for another guest as good as lauren was this week and um yeah we will be back next Sunday, won't we all yep cheers guys thanks for listening thanks for coming on lauren <laughs>